Hi, Nipi. Hi, Nipi. Hi, Nipi. Wajaniwina. Hijankishina. Hinikarigiwina. Greetings from the land of 11 nations, or as everyone else calls it, Wisconsin. I'd like to thank, uh, thank those of you who spend a couple of minutes with me every week on my little excursion into the interweb through this vehicle that I call Chipotle. Well, I'd like to give a quick shout out to Matthew Mann as he jumped into the pool and began a podcast. Wazi Jahachin had its inaugural podcast the other day, and it was fun. Sound was crisp, and Matt brings a lot to the table as a polished public speaker. So congratulations, and I just hope that other Ho-Chunks will follow your example and bring their unique voices to the fro- forefront. Wazi Jahachin right now, I think it's just on Facebook, so... Uh, if you get a chance, take it out and give it a spin. A lot of fun. Uh, second thing I'd like to report on is that uh, Henning Garvin has expanded the language department's reach into Facebook by launching a daily weather report. It's a continuing effort on the language department to get more Ho-Chunk content into the mix. This is fantastic news. I hope everyone checks in and uh, gives us a look. Anything to help the Ho-Chunk language thrive is something that should be well-received. So kudos to Huwakade and the Ho-Chunk language department. Everyone uh, give the Daily Weather Report on Facebook a listen, please. So what's going on in the big show today? Uh, we start off with the AB12 interchange for the Madison Casino. This is a slam dunk for the nation. Unfortunately, the Ho-Chunk legislature is dragging their feet on this. Strange, because it won't cost the nation a penny, just a uh, compact deduction. Still, the legislature uh, is hesitant. Just wondering if a couple of the legislators have it in for Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison. I don't know why. Uh, Second, David Greendeer calls in. We talk about 12 clans, its past, and its future. That promises to be a lot of fun and educational. Then, um, the insidious nature of the legislative candidates' campaigns. Uh, We discussed some very important topics that have not been asked of the candidates, nor have the candidates ventured an opinion. Um, Yeah, I think it's kind of important, some of the things we'll be talking about. So, yeah, give it a listen. Finally... We wrap it up with an interview with Dan Bloomer, and we discuss his opinion on 12 clans and the Ho-Chunk Nation's use of Section 17. So, sit back and let's get on with the show. Welcome back, everyone. I have on the phone with me David Greendeer of uh, 12 Clans. Uh, he's been kind enough to spend a couple of minutes with us today. Uh, good morning, sir. How are you doing? Hey, good morning, Shelby. I'm, I'm doing quite well. hope you're doing well, too. So. Good deal. Um, well, before we begin, I just wanted to fanboy a little bit. Um, there are zero Ho-Chunks who would have had the, uh, I guess the word is Shunchke, to walk into the nation and ask for $93 million. And uh, I just want to say kudos. I mean, right or wrong, the fact that you had a plan initially, everyone at the presentation looked at you and said, uh, yeah, okay, well, that just shows me something. And uh, I think we need a little bit more of that in the nation. Uh, 
Anyways, uh, 12 Clans, can you give us a brief history and then uh, bring us up to today? Sure, sure. So, so 12 Clans, the idea initially uh, started back in the well, 1980s, roughly around 1984. Um, they had, uh, I, I believe, um, uh, let's see, you had um, a handful of Wisconsin Winnebago Business Committee members who understood that uh, that the government was never going to, I guess, move the tribe forward, you know, with underneath that current structure. So, you know, recall that the, the business committee back then made all the decisions, you know, and, and helped us, you know, of course, to get to, you know, part, partly where we're at today. But they had the foresight back then. Um, talking to Quentin Thundercloud um, and my, my, my other father, Majaji uh, Kunu, uh, Johnny Conroy Greendeer, um, a few of them were put on to that very first economic development committee. Um, so some of the vision and pretty much what they had laid out that they wanted to accomplish back in the 80s is still what 12 clans was actually built on, which is, which is really kind of ironic. Um, bring it to, you know, forward to date, uh, there was a general council resolution in 2002 that talked about the separation of business from government. Um, the legislature at that time and executive branch took steps to try to figure out how to separate separate it legally uh, because the nation recall at that time now is under the constitution um, they changed you know, they changed the constitution had four branches of government then and now is separated into the executive branch and legislative branch so you know unlike you know back in the 80s so so now the issue was how can we become more efficient and how can we you know I guess continue to look towards the future to invest our money the um the tribes then then took the steps um after a couple failed attempts of really trying to unify there was a report that came out and it was called the johnson strategy report and that was in I believe the years 2003 and 2004 um and this was a, as a follow-up to that to the request that general counsel so recall the people the people asked for this then the legislature and executive tried to come back together and then at that point um john it was john uh, john john and uh, president lewis um were just kind of going out of office now and uh wilford cleveland was stepping in so uh, if you don't recall if you recall i was the um executive administrator for or almost like an equivalent of chief of staff for um the president uh of, of ho-chunk nation then at that time the, one of the very first initiatives that he had asked me to to look at was um the wittenberg casino the compact negotiation and the separation of business from government so in the, pretty much in that order um we handled the first two so you see wittenberg is built um the compact negotiation was very successful uh it was uh you know with, with a few of us we actually created that the whole tax credit structure of how of how it was structured today and we negotiated and kept us from from losing money and then the second part took a little bit or the third part took a little bit longer the, the uh, separation of business and government um what we did is we actually went back to the drawing board in terms of looking at why are we doing this we had to really understand why 12 plans was created and this is how it is in a nutshell <clears throat> according to the way that our blood quantum is structured uh, for ho-chunk nation and looking at the rate at which we enroll people and in, in the in mortality rates by the year roughly around 2040 through let's say through 2040 to 2045 2050 we're no longer going to be able to enroll anybody and so 
what we quickly realized that coupled with the fact that we're losing our language is that we don't really have that much time to be recognized as a nation if we are underneath the, the current way that the federal government looks at us. And so if that ever occurs, we wanted to make sure that there was a protection for all of our people moving forward because then that means that gaming would then suffer and we would no longer have us, the strong revenue source that we currently have. The, um, it doesn't matter what type of... The nation is strong in terms of the way that they're um, structured right now under gaming because alcohol, gaming, and prostitution, on, you know, unfortunately, are the three things that never go away, even during depressions, even during recessions, even during COVID now. Um, COVID, though, however, proved, proved to be a black swan event. And so 12 Clans was created for black swan events in order to shelter and protect the money. In 2000. Roughly about 2010 through 2014, there was enough legislators and more important, enough um, outreach. And I, and I want to credit uh, Vice President Heather Cloud at this time and Carolyn Grizzlick, because I was part of their team, um, getting the, communi the communication out to the full, um, all of the areas that we could through area meetings, through mailings, through, we have a whole list of, we had a whole communications plan of how to try to get this, um, this initiative off. The, off the ground um, and basically uh, 12 clans uh, finally and this was after um, kind of right before I, I guess before I came back on as, as a legislator um, the, that that energy that we had created and all of that work um, helped us to do that final push right as that first year when I came back on. So there was a handful of us. We had gotten the charter done um, and and I came into that portion. So that was that was the first good part. And we actually did the revisions for the charter. I don't necessarily like all of them and I can explain a little bit later why. But that's how 12 plans came to be. The initial investment was supposed to be $95 million. However, to date, um, and it's not unfortunate, it's just what it is, uh, the nation was given, has given roughly about $19.5 million. And so in altogether about 22, I think it was about 20, close to about 22 with operating funds just for that first year and what was expended. So that was a one-time give. That's all that's been given to date. And that's pretty much what um, 12 clans is built on is, is $20, $20 million now. So um, and that's, and that's pretty much the history Shelby, of where we're at and how it came about. So. That's uh, really, really interesting. Um, some of the things you said, like uh, 12 clans, that is a sovereign wealth fund, is it not? Uh, actually, 12 clans is a federal, so in 1934, the, uh, underneath the Indian Reorganization Act, it allowed the, the federal government took tribes, we'll say under federal jurisdiction, and tribes were then allowed to do what's called the Section 16 Tribal Government Organization, where we, kind of what we have right now, or create a federal chartered corporation. And that's actually what 12 clans is. They're a federal chartered corporation that's pretty much at the equivalent of what your government, of, of what our government structure is for Ho-Chunk. And so it's, but it's just the corporate side. So, Well, what are some of the things that uh, right now we're invested in? Sure. Um, well, so most recently, um, and, and I'm sorry I can't go into full detail because of NDA and non-disclosures, right. but 
but I can tell you that we're, we're actually invested in aerospace most recently. And so we're, we're looking towards um, what's going on in NASA and SpaceX and things like that. So that's one of the one really cool thing. Um, we're diversified into um, renewable energy, about five different types of renewable energies, new technologies, and uh, even health, uh, uh, health healthcare technologies and things like that right now. And we have uh, real estate. Um, it's roughly, I think we're over in over 50. I know at four, as of last year, this time it was about 46 different companies. I think as of now we're in, oh, maybe... And, and sorry, I don't have the, the same the, the paper right in front, or our documents right in front of me. But I think it's about fifty-seven to sixty at this point, and we're fully committed um, for the full twenty million at this point. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but at the uh, virtual general council, um, twelve clans was beat up pretty good. Um, I just want to know if you had any comments on that. Uh, I mean, you know, quite frankly, it's. Uh, if there was a, I didn't, I didn't log in to watch it. It's not a. Uh, I was, you know, busy, I was actually busy taking care of my family and fishing. You know, at the time, so we're trying to try to make a living. <laughs> right. But the, but I had heard, and it's just to me, it's just we'll say part of the course. Um, you're gonna, you're always gonna receive beatings no matter what because people don't understand, um, and you know don't understand actually how the twelve plans came about, what the what the actual federal charter says. They don't really understand corporate law yet, you know, on anything because it's just it's not their fault. It's just that it's not how they were trained. And so, you know, as individuals get up, everybody wants to have a say in where twenty million dollars goes, and why should we, you know, as being, you know, a chosen few, be, be able to do that? Well, the, the the real answer is that we earned our spot. We earned it. We weren't. We didn't go out and look for it ourselves. We were recruited. We went through a whole process, and you know, the, everything had been disclosed, you know, to all the people. And now, um, you know, because of COVID, uh, COVID actually created a lot of issues, not just for for the whole Trump nation, not just for twelve clans, you know, for everybody. So there was a lot of things this year in terms of breakdowns and communication, other things that you know, twelve clans. You know, we wish that we would have been more um, active in terms of communicating to the people, but I can tell you specifically what we did right away before um right before covid hit we had an inclination that something was happening in the marketplace and so a lot of our our you know we said that we're invested in these funds one of the great things that we get to learn from the funds is we get alerts and so different individuals were calling us and saying hey there's something going on we don't know what the, what's going to happen but there's something happening here and we're talking to professionals and other friends that we that we have and colleagues and then we then there was an indicator and it was was a, um, uh, a potential so I say, there was a contract that we that I got I was able to see that said that there was a, a big I can't name the company but it was a company overseas that said that they were um, going to be focusing on masks and that everybody was and this is like a well-known you know high-end company saying that they're be fo focusing on facial masks and when I saw that, I was like, well, why? I said, there's something happening. And we had already heard about, you know, the, the, the Wudang, um, you know, stuff that was going on over, over in China. And then I was like, okay, well, and I went back, told the group, I said, there's something happening to the market. We need to, let's go back in. Let's revise a little bit of, of our current strategy and, and look at the situation. And we'll put everything in escrow. And that's what we did. We moved any any other funds, anything else, and we protected all the nation's money right off the bat, moving into escrow. It's really important for, for me to say that because the, because a tribe underneath its current structure can't do that. 
if 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 the tribe was allowed, if we were allowed to actually have done that for the tribe, or if we could have figured out a way to help them, they're just not structured to move fast. They have too much too many laws and too many restrictions. All that took was me to make a phone call, call a board meeting, and bam, we protected it. And so that's what Twelve Plans is built for: is flu- like this fluidity, you know. So. Well, you brought it up yourself, but um, one of the big things is uh, communication. Um, is there uh, plans for a um, shareholders meeting anytime soon, uh, or do we have one? So, because of COVID, um, the way that the, the 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 way that the charter is written, it says that we have to have a, a meeting, and then it also says that we have to, we're going through the process to be able to call it. What we've decided this year is that we're not going to call the meeting because of COVID. We don't want to bring a physical a physical meeting that way. And then because of the way general counsel was held, uh, you know, and looking at how, talking to everybody afterwards, you know, you get to go back and you get to see how, listen to how every all the technical issues were happening to and who was actually able to participate and who wasn't able to participate. Now we're just like, okay, well, that's, just, that's not necessarily efficient either. So what we've decided is we're just putting everything up on the web for everybody and just make it, we're going to just make sure that in the paper everybody knows where to find it and then they can just look at our information the legislature i'm not sure how they're going to feel about it but the owners reps we had an owners reps meeting a rep meeting we just gave them the um uh the updates and to let them know you know what what it was coming what some of the issues were that we've been dealing with this year and then we're how we're moving forward you know and you know and having uh you know moving forward on the administrative side because like i said there was a lot of challenges and just not being able to see people in person you know affected a few things but not not too much for us um, you know, for the tribal members, I think that's one of the things, you know, the, the only communication that was set up in that, in the charter was actually reporting really to the shareholder at that one time a year. Um, in order for us to continue to move forward and for people to understand what's happening, you know, there just needs to be more frequent communication, more understanding of that. Um, and we need people to understand that it's a corporation, not, not a government. So the the corporations act they, they have they do things totally different in terms of protections once they start engaging in businesses and, and, and negotiations and things and that's our only function our function isn't to um, you know to, we're not we're not like doing social programming and all this other stuff yeah that's that's why the the, the, the government was made so I know most people are familiar with um, you know even even monthly reports you know coming through at area meetings and things like that but it's important to, to mention that this is a separate entity separate federal recognized entity and so the the rules and protocol are not the same um, we fall underneath the charters bylaws and that's in the charters rules of how it was how it was you know, created so well going into the future um do you have any plans on coming back to the tribe for more money no no we, we actually we've never actually so this is the greatest part out of every business that I've ever seen in the Ho Chunk Nation, every single entity, all of our—if you—if you look at even the government uh, departments and everything, Twelve Plans doesn't need to come back for money. The only only reason we would actually ask if um, the nation, like, ask nation for money, is if they want to actually participate in something with us and make some more money, you know, for the na- the other side of the nation. So this is all still nation's money. You know what I mean? No matter yeah. what. So we're just so we're just trying to make more money for us. Our goal was twenty forty eight. Underneath that ninety five million dollar plan, it was by twenty forty eight. We're trying to make enough money to to supplement what the the, the cost of inflation would be for the U S dollar. So that was four hundred and fifty million dollars, and that was is how much we need to make in order to continue to run our government, no matter what. 
by that year. So that's that's literally basic, and that was that was what we estimated about four years ago. Now, looking at what just happened with the cost of inflation and what's going on with when they're printing money, you know, during this COVID time, right? We're we're going to end up having to make like eight hundred million, <laughs> like, and it's crazy because the tribe, all they're doing right now is spending money, spending, 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 spending. And yet they, they've, they, one of the things, I don't know, Shelby, if you know why they're, why they lost so much money, it's not because of the loans. Did you realize that they didn't really apply for any grants? We always were one of the leading grant, um, like tribes in the whole United States. Like when we go, we would go out and apply all across, we had like 46 million bucks all the time, you know, just like, you know, maybe somewhere floating between 20 and 46 million all the time. And then all of a sudden, there's people, you know, and, and this is where we have to, when we start talking about really hot issues, you know, to bring up to legislature or leadership, it's like, hey, there's all these grants to do. How many grant writers do we got in the tribe? One? Three? I mean, that's it. That's all. Like, you had like six people writing all these grants before. I mean, they should be creating a whole division for grants because it's the government side. They should be applying for that. The, the government owes, you, owes us money. It's not the other way. We don't apply to ask them. We apply, and, the, and it's our right for them to give it to us underneath fair and equal, you know, opportunities for for tribal people. That's it's, it's right in the law. <laughs> it's That's like, a good point because none of our um, legislative candidates have uh, brought that up. So it's uh, well, good you pointed that out. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things we can talk about, and I'd, I'd be willing in future, um, you know, podcasts to talk about things that that we saw. Because one of the key things that we saw that could move the nation forward, because one of the issues, Shelby, is that there's no training for legislators. There's no training, you know, there's no transition plan, no succession planning. And this has been, this has always happened. We just, and I had a chance to listen to some of your old podcasts and I heard, I heard you, you nailed it. You're just like, you know, they're getting, they're stepping into these full-time jobs that right now, I don't know if we need a full-time legislature. I, 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 we're able to run this 12 plans so efficiently we can just call meetings bam 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 make decisions we do all our homework and we're, we're done with the meeting in an hour we've already done all the background work there's no reason why we shouldn't be doing that because we actually need those people in the workforce there those same people are now being robbed from the workforce you know let's say they there might be you know half of them might have came from gaming and maybe a couple others that were out in the out in the world but really when they come back to work as a lead a, a legislator without having the, the proper support each one of them is not even given staffers really they have like two or three but that's not how you see the united the, the state of wisconsin do it you don't see even local local you know people doing that they're still able to have jobs and then, and then they continue and that's i think that that's one of the hardest parts that it stops the tribe from moving forward and we still have this old school mentality we need we need these leaders to be to be trained and to be and to be helped. And, and tribal members need to understand they need help. You know, it's a, and, you know, it's, it's just one of the hard things. You can't you know running for legislators kind of like a black hole. So I, I think um, yeah, my plans initially as a, as an individual, I'm always here. That's all I've been doing is trying to help the tribes since day one. You know, and I've been here now for 23 years. I think roughly like working with the tribe. You know, from the from the ground on up. And so this is I'm just honored to be able to help my people and I can and I know I I'll be happy when I when I'm done doing all of this and my, my time is up I can look back and I say I did I, that's all I did I did everything that I could to help my people at least I did something and I'm glad most most of these people are standing uh, stepping up to run I just wish that I could hear if they actually had a vision for the of, of the future and an understanding of what's about to occur so oh well said well thanks a lot for your time and uh 
perhaps we can do this again because you do have a lot to say, and I think uh, the tribe would benefit from listening to you. Yeah, no, it's like I said, Trevor, I, I appreciate it. I can uh, I can give the history on lots of things, but I also can maybe in the fu- maybe we can uh, talk about the future next time. Excellent, because there's there's a lot of things coming right right now that are going to impact the tribe. And if I make a prediction, I'll make a bold prediction. Um, all currency stops in the next five years, and they've moved towards an electronic cryptocurrency. That'll be that'll be one. Um, government contracting and healthcare are going to be the only two areas that we can really make money in besides gaming. So that's that's going to be for all tribal nations. That's my prediction, and that'll be for over the next five years. And then on top of it, because of the issue with inflation, the United States has to is going to be forced to go towards the new currency in some sort of new compact with either China or the EU, uh, and you know, and, and that, and well, let's say some of the global powers. That's going to have a direct effect on all of us um, back here in the United States, which then trickles down to the tribes. So tribes need to now start exercising their sovereignty, understanding that they don't have full sovereignty and protecting what land assets they have and continue and, and acquire as much land as possible because that will be the only thing that they'll be able to acquire, maybe besides, you know, let's say anything from the land too, that will actually hold value in the near future. So, Wow. Well, thanks a lot. Um, David Green Deer, 12 Clans. Thanks a lot for your time. We'll talk again. All right, thank you. Have a good day. Here we are on a backstretch of the primary election for legislative candidates, and I have three topics that I would like the legislative candidates to consider. Number one, what are your thoughts on the continuing and insidious power grab by the legislature? Two, what are your thoughts on a sunset clause for executive sessions inside the Ho-Chunk legislative meetings? Three, what are your thoughts on a constitutional convention? I just want to touch lightly on all three of these topics. Perhaps I'll go into depth on uh, another one, uh, another podcast for each of these topics, though. Uh, the Wisconsin Winnebago Business Committee was formed in ni- 1963. It had a strong chairman, and basically the chairman ran the nation. The committee members were involved, their input was heard, but the power resided with the chairman. In 1994, the Secretary of the Interior approved the Constitution of the Ho-Chunk Nation. In a major overcorrect, the writers, seeing the power the chairman possessed, put major power in the legislature and limited the power of the presidency. Now, in a slow insidious dance, the legislature has assumed all the power in the nation through the power of the purse, primarily. The presidency is controlled by the money that it's allocated to them. It's kind of funny in that the president cannot even engage a lawyer to sue the legislature, because the president has to ask the legislature for money. And anyways, the last case, uh, the last court case that the president, that President White Eagle won against the legislature was with money donated to his cause. Somebody paid for his lawyer. Well, let's take a quick look at the general counsel now. The institution has been basically totally emasculated by the legislature. Sure, 
They allocate money for general council meetings, but almost nothing of the resolutions that are passed are acted upon. Any any of the resolutions with legislative teeth are given to the tribal court to knock down as unconstitutional, or they die in a vine lost somewhere in legislative limbo. Let me say this. To all the candidates, if you want to streamline, outsource, or responsibly expand gaming, then you should find a job in a gaming department. To all the candidates who want to create more business opportunities for the nation, find a, find a job in the business department or start your own business, hire Ho-Chunks, or contract a business department and form Intertribal uh, Charter Corporation. To all the candidates who want to work on getting our language, Ho-Chunk language and common usage amongst our people, get a job in the language department. You want to help our elders? Get a job at TAU. A lot of what our candidates are proposing is sweet, in an innocent and childish fashion, but we have administrative departments for these things. When our candidates voice their platforms, a lot of them are ignorant endorsing the status quo. Instead of four equal parts of government, we have one equal powerful part. As a candidate, do any of you see this as a problem? As a candidate, do any of you see solution? Number two, the Ho-Chunk Nation needs a sunset clause for executive session. Once our legislators go into executive session, everything is secret for life. It's like a confessional. I understand the reason for executive session. Negotiations and touchy legislation, no one wants to move on in the light of day. You know, you just can't give away your position, and I understand this. However, you are negotiating with our money and with our name as the Ho-Chunk Nation. The Ho-Chunk Nation citizens deserve to know what is going on, what you are doing in the darkness. I propose a six-year period of darkness. After six years, all executive sessions will be open for public scrutiny. There is no need for legislation done in 2008 to continue to be secret, nor 2001. This is not how a democracy works. A political trope says that democracy dies in darkness. Let's not let that happen to us. If the legislators do something that needs to be kept secret for life, it shouldn't be done. It shouldn't have been done. Finally, a constitutional convention. We went close to 31 years of Wisconsin Winnebago Business Committee before we changed to a constitutional form of government in 1994. Now, 21 years later, we need to take a deep look at our constitution. It has to be balanced. The powers enumerated in our Constitution for the legislature have to be reined in and clearly defined. We cannot have legislatures negotiating gambling compacts with state governments and bringing them to the president to sign as a fait accompli. The overcorrect by the writers of our Constitution have to be brought back to center. I'm not quite sure what's involved in starting a constitutional convention, but I am up for starting one. What about our legislative candidates? Do any of these three items strike a chord? As legislative candidates, give the power to help your people to the appropriate departments that are designated to help. As legislative candidates, understand the limits of your power and seek to work within their constraints and not abuse them. I wish all of our candidates good luck and I hope you take these items into your thoughts and platforms and set your actions for their implementation.
And we're back, and I have on the phone with me Dan Bloomer, and um, he's going to walk us through a little bit about what he knows about uh, Section 17 and uh, 12 clans, and um, maybe how we could better have used our money. Um, good afternoon, Dan. You want to introduce yourself? I am Dan Bloomer. I studied at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where I received my undergraduate in finance and real estate. Also, my graduate degree at the University of Wisconsin-Madison in finance and real estate. Um, held various jobs in and outside of the nation. Uh, investing is an interest of mine. Uh, recently, having uh, closed a private investment partnership late last year, and now just managing my own portfolio. Very, very good. Um I guess let's get right down to the meat of it. Um, can you tell us what a Section 17 corporation is and how it works in terms of the nation? Broadly speaking, it's, I guess, comparable to any other corporation. Uh, with tribes, it allows tribes to retain tax advantages operating off-site. Typically, it does vary a bit state to state from what I understand but it also shields the assets of the tribal government from the activities of the corporation. So the assets that are placed in a corporation, if that corporation fails as far as a business venture, the assets of the tribal government are protected. You've um, obviously followed 12 clans just like the rest of us. Um, could you give us a quick assessment of how you feel that they've been doing so far? I'm not a fan of private equity. I guess it's fine if they want to do that. I'm not a fan of private equity. I am very disappointed in the lack of transparency and the information that's been provided by 12 clans. I guess, for instance, we did not have a shareholder meeting this year that is required by the charter we did not receive a statement of financial condition, which is also required by the charter. If they are not successful investment managers, that's one thing. But to fail to meet the minimum duties of the corporation, I guess that disappoints me. In 12 clans, do you think that they're doing as much as they can for the nation? Or is it just something that they're not... Um I don't know, qualified to perform? I expect they're doing as much as they can for the for the nation. I don't know that they are the people to be managing a private equity portfolio. So you, basically you would have us try to uh, reshuffle the board into having um, more competent membership up there? Um. In a word, yes. I would rather have that money be managed by Edward Jones or Baird or any entity or board that is actually familiar with investing, has some experience with portfolio management. The board we have now, I think, would be better suited for running what I would typically expect a Section 17 corporation to run, you know, whether it's a construction company, it's a non-gaming business enterprises, 
but not a private equity investment portfolio. So something along the lines of uh, the C stores or just something of that nature. Correct. And C stores that would not have to be on tribal land. So are you open to uh, setting up a different Section 17? Is that available to us? Or is this just something that's an albatross around our neck? Uh, it takes a while to set up a new Section 17. It's not quite as easy as going on legal Zoom and starting a new corporation for an individual. I would rather that we keep the existing Section 17 structure but have it utilized in a different function. Well, that would take a new board, correct? It could be the same board. But just in diff a completely different direction as to, just like you said, uh, in an in industrial type of setting. Correct. I mean, the existing board to me would be much better suited for managing or providing oversight of businesses, whether it's you know construction, e-stores, that type of thing. But I don't see a lot of investment expertise on the existing board. Well, my understanding is they don't really do a lot of um, uh, public equities. It's a lot of privates. Um, does that make a big difference in how we're investing? Uh, that's, that's a... That could be a very involved question. Well, <laughs> can you just uh, give us a, a quick breakdown? I mean, is it is it just apples and oranges, or is it completely and entirely different entities? That is a bit different discipline, perhaps, is the way to put it, as far as evaluating investment opportunities. Um, the investments themselves, of course, Yes, you can buy Tesla, you can buy Microsoft, those are public equities. Um, private equity, as the name implies, would it be for evaluating those companies that don't have publicly traded equity? Well, I'd like to thank you for coming on. Is there anything else you can uh, provide with us? Uh, just give us a closing statement or anything? Um, Section 17 Corporation, it's fine. Every every nation that has competent individuals should probably have one. The board, I will say, is fine, but not in this capacity, in my opinion. Well, that's all I asked for. Huh? So I really appreciate your time, and um, I'd like to get back to you sometime if we can uh, rehash this and revisit some of the things here. All righty. All righty. That's uh, Dan Bloomer, and thank you for your time. Thanks. Uh, one thing brought to my attention was the lack of an indoctrination and training period for new legislatures. Um, I think um, David Greender mentioned this. Um, a lot of our new legislators are not not at all familiar with uh, how our government operates. Uh, perhaps a day or two for these new legislators to acclimate themselves would make a world of difference in their performance instead of just uh, hitting the ground running. 
Um, another interesting bit of information, the, the release of the Spectra suit against the Ho-Chunk Nation um, in Jackson County. That's uh, being made public. A good place to look at this is on uh, Facebook. Um, look at Edwina Waters page. She has a lot of information on this topic. That's Edwina, E-D-W-I-N-A, Waters, W-A-T-E-R-S. Uh, finally, after my interview with Dan Bloomer, we talked, and one of the things that I forgot to ask about was the operating cost of 12 clans. Dan mentioned that the um, operating cost of 12 clans was about 3.5% for years 2017, 2018, and 2019 or about uh, $680,000 per annum. That's just uh, over three, I mean, uh, $2 million for three years. Now those are just operating costs. Those aren't market losses or anything else. I, he said that the average operating cost for fund of this size would be less than 1%. So that's a lot of money to be spending on operating costs. We don't know about 2020 yet, but that's uh, $2 million for three years worth worth of work. So like I said, we just got to keep uh, an eye on both uh, both pro and con on uh, 12 clans. Keep that in our mind. Well, that'll do it for this week. Everyone stay warm. Fetch your candidates thoroughly. And uh, see you again real, real soon.